Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 689 with Jennifer Conweiler. Jennifer's got some pro tips. If you are an introvert or you love an introvert or you work with introverts, she's got some excellent pro tips on how to tap into these quiet strengths. You'll learn one, the core strengths of introverts, two, how to get the most out of the introverts on your team, and three, the ABCDs of excellent extrovert-introvert collaboration. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, please drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com, EP689. Now, here's Jennifer's story. Jennifer B. Conweiler is a best-selling author and one of the leading speakers on introverts in the workplace. Her pioneering books, The Introverted Leader, Quiet Influence, The Genius of Opposites, and Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces have been translated into 18 languages. Jennifer has partnered with leading organizations like Amazon, Kimberly Clark, NASA, and the USCDC. She's delivered her signature presentations from Singapore to Spain. She holds the Certified Speaking Professional designation awarded to a small percentage of speakers and serves as a mentor to many professional women. She's a native New Yorker, and she currently calls Atlanta, Georgia her home. Big thanks to Jennifer for sharing her wisdom with us. Big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Jennifer. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. It is my pleasure, Pete. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to dig into your wisdom, and I'm also excited to hear your story. Uh, This morning in the gym, there was a lot of Beatles playing, and you actually had an encounter with Paul McCartney. What's the story here? Oh my gosh, this story pops up in family lore time, (laughs) time and again. We were vacationing out on Eastern Long Island, where I near where I grew up on in the New York area, and we had the kids were little then, probably about your kids' ages, and uh, we were uh, just having a, a casually Sunday stroll, and there was nobody on the street in a little town called Amagansett, and my daughter was turning to talk to me, and she was knocked down by a kid on a bike, and of mm. course, as a parent, you know, you jump up. She was fine. She was okay. She just was a little bit startled. And we heard, and I'm not going to try to uh, imitate the British accent, but Bill and I, my husband, looked at each other in one second as we were looking at our daughter, and we realized that it was, I was looking right into the eyes of my favorite beetle, Paul McCartney. <laughs> and I... Uh, he couldn't have been nicer and made his son apologize for being careless. <laughs> so I was impressed by that. And uh, I got to have my Beatles encounter. 
Well, that well that is memorable. An extra. It was, it was not just a, oh there he is in the airport, but uh. <laughs> there you go. And I, I listened to the Beatles channel too on the radio, so I always think about him. Interesting thinking about personalities, and you know the Beatles have been so analyzed to death. But you know people talk about the opposite personalities of him and him and John. You know, and and mm-hmm. who was the introvert, who was the extrovert? I heard that question come up. I'm not quite sure, but I think Paul is is pretty introverted. Mm-hmm. I'll ask him the next time I see him. <laughs> next time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, we're going to talk about introversion here, and and boy, you've you've spent uh, quite a boatload of time studying this topic and writing multiple books, The Introverted Leader, Quiet Influence, Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces. So, wow. Tell us, from from all of this this work, any particularly surprising or fascinating discoveries that, that you've made along the way? Well, I'll tell you what. I came into this work uh, 12 years ago. I started writing, but I think the, the greatest discovery is oh, if there's a great one, is that the definition of introversion and the awareness of introversion has, the definition has has kind of morphed. And the awareness is basically worldwide now. So that's been a surprise. I didn't realize it wasn't just for my work, believe me, but there was a whole cadre of us in the beginning, including Susan Cain and others who started dipping into this topic because it had made such a difference in, I'll speak for myself, in my own life, uh, as a person married to an introvert for 48 years now, that personally helped me navigate my marriage as one lens. It's not the only one for sure. But as I started working in organizations, that was a really, really helpful lens to look through. And I realized a lot of people didn't realize, A, that they were possibly introverted, and that's why they were having a challenge in our type A organizations, and B, others didn't understand introversion. So that's probably the biggest kind of nice surprise as the journey has gone on, Pete, really. Also, now I'm intrigued. The definition has morphed. I mean, I am a certified Myers-Briggs practitioner. It's been a while since I've done a workshop. Nice. Nice. I don't know if yeah. I'm still in good standing with the, the, the organization. But, I don't um, think it matters. No, I think you'll be fine. <laughs> so I, I have a definition in my mind about yeah. what introversion is. Yeah. So tell us, how has it evolved? I think the biggest change that has occurred is that it's not as discreet as we once might have thought. You know, we said, and just to kind of backtrack a little bit, introversion is about energy and extroversion is about energy and introverts, the typical understanding of that is introverts get their energy from within. They're in their heads, they're thoughtful, they kind of think before they speak, et cetera. Extroverts uh, tend to get energized by other people, but that's really pretty simplistic, really, if you think about it. And so we've come to now morph into, it's more of a spectrum, like a lot of areas that we talk about, including uh, different kinds of autism, all kinds of things are now more of a, it's not either or, it's not binary. And so it's about what you identify with. There are people, as you know, that most of us are really sort of more towards the middle of the bell curve anyway, right? I don't know about yourself, but, uh, and I have morphed moreover to the introvert side, even though my friends don't always believe me about that. Uh. My editor even told me that on my last book before our last meeting. He said, Jennifer, uh, I think you've become more introverted. I think you are an introvert. I said, no, I haven't gone that far. But he goes, you're, you know, you're prepared for meetings. You listen really well. He was naming all, he was ticking off all the, all the strengths of an introvert. And so I think people do flex over time, Pete, really. And so I think that's where, where there's been some more like forgiveness and openness to some people say they're ambiverts. Have you heard that term? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Ambiverts are, um, people identify that not as many, 
Uh, there hasn't been as much research on that, but people who go back and forth. And as you know from Myers-Briggs work, Carl Jung said we develop over time, right? So we do tap into those other sides of ourselves. So I, I'm very happy about the fact that we're not just kind of defining it in one structured way, that there is more flexibility according to the person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so given that you mentioned some strengths of introverts, can you share maybe a cool story? So you, you've got a, your books, The Introverted Leader and more. Yeah. Could you share with us a, a cool story about an introvert who just saw some phenomenal results uh, in their career and, and some of the strengths that uh, they brought to the table that are, are pretty typical of introverts? One that I would think about is a woman named Jill Chang approached me. This woman, Jill Chang, was in Taiwan and Jill uh, reached out to me and she said, I just wrote a book. I was inspired by you and some others to really tap into and own my introversion. And it made such a huge difference in my life to see my strengths, not as weaknesses, but the fact that I spend the time preparing, the fact that I'm such a really great listener. You know, and this happens a lot, Pete, with, with folks, they will get more confident because then you start to realize it's not a liability. This is actually a differentiator that you have right from extroverts. So she did. She's named all these things. And she wrote me this long email and said, you know, would you endorse the book? And of course, I was happy to. She went on then to write the book. It became like the number one bestseller in Taiwan, multiple weeks. We're able to introduce her to our publisher here. And books come out a few months ago in English. It came out in Taiwanese. And she became a superstar in her country, I should say. Cool. Quiet is a superpower. And there's, you know, and and so it was just, there have been many people around the world now. I had a chance to speak in a number of countries and, and it was really cool to see the awakening there. But so that would be an additional thing. I would say that the whole awareness globally now is now has legs and people like Jill are making such a difference in their world. And what's been also cool is we've all been able to collaborate on multiple like webinars and presentations with people around the world too, who are introvert authors, introvert coaches. I got to tell you, when I started out in this, I mean, people like you took the Myers-Briggs, so you knew about it, but many people were like, what? How could you be an introvert and be a leader? It was a lot of selling, a lot of educating and awareness. So that's that's been so gratifying. Lovely. Well, so let's hear about some of these, that the quiet is a superpower and, and, and some of these strengths. Can you enumerate a few of them for us? Sure, sure. Well, one of them is thinking and not just saying what's on the top of your mind. So it's giving deep reflection and depth versus breath is oftentimes what we say. Depth with relationships too. Introverts don't have any patience for small talk often, but they have a lot of uh, really great relationships with people. Depth versus breath. Observation. I mentioned preparation. That's one of the things that comes up a lot of the time is being able to uh, spend the time ahead of the interview to really think about what is your point? What are the points you want to make? What's the agenda for the meeting? All of the aspects of being successful in an organization where you're not just winging it, where you're really giving really deep thought. And then that really contributes to innovation, to creativity and all of those great things. And then really, I would say the other real strength, and I think we saw this come out more in the pandemic, is the being able to take quiet time. Being able to embrace silence, because that is really when the beautiful inspiration occurs. I I remember one day coming home from uh, work and seeing my six-year-old in the driveway doing uh, some of her fantasy uh, twirling around. We had gotten her a tape of Gene Kelly and, Mm. and Ginger Rogers. She was pretending that she was like dancing and in her world. And then she caught my eye in that moment 
you know, was kind of gone. She ran into the house, threw her umbrella down where she was doing singing in the rain. You know, that was the end of that moment. And I always remembered that scene because that is what happens so much. You know, we have that interruption from outside forces, but also from ourselves where we don't take the time to really sit. And I will say for myself, one of the really real beauties, and I've heard this from other extroverts, is that we were forced in lockdown (laughs) Right to do that, yeah. To go within. Did you notice that as well? I mean, that was really a change this past year. Oh, sure. It's like you just had fewer options available, and so you had to find something good there for sure. Right. So exactly. So those, are, I would say, those are. There are so many more. Writing is another one. Is how introverts express themselves so beautiful. A lot of writers are introverted, mm-hmm. and so those are those are some of the key ones. There's so many more, of course. You know, it's funny that story with the. Uh... <laughs> introversion, extroversion. I tend to prefer extroversion. And I remember when I was little, I was also kind of doing my own thing. And I believe I was Captain America or some superhero fighting bad guys. And I was like punching the air and making noises, all that stuff. (laughs) That sounds great on your mic. (laughs) Yeah. And then my mom came in and I too was kind of embarrassed, like, uh, (laughs) like, what are you doing? But it was funny. My reaction was, I I felt a little sheepish, but I I just kind of excited. Well, you see, mom, um, I was being Captain America and there were some uh, bad guys who needed to You had to, to explain me. yourself. Yeah, yeah. You had to explain yourself. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I did. And she's like, oh, okay, that, that's great. Well, I'll, I'll carry on. <laughs> well, no, that's great that your mom allowed you to do that. Because it's, it's one thing I will say is that, I, and I'm, I'm really starting to explore this with some research with a woman about who's doing more work with children and youth and teachers, because I really think that's where the opportunity is now, where we really need to start is working with young people to give them permission to do that, whether they be introverted or extroverted, having that time in your head, that's, I mean, it's precious, but there's so much external force and he doesn't talk up enough in class, you know, you get graded down for that. All of these, this bias in our society. And it really hit me when I was doing career coaching for a number of years before I wrote my book, I had a career coaching practice and I would see lawyer after lawyer come in or, you know, professionals who felt they had really poor self-esteem. And a number of them, when I traced back to what was going on, they were more introverted and they were they had internalized that perception of themselves as not being sociable and not having the interpersonal skills to be successful in the work world. And so I had to do a lot of sort of unpacking of that with them. We need to give everybody a chance to reflect. So all of these qualities, whether it be at school or in the workplace, are positive for all of us. You know, it's going to create better results. So, mm-hmm. Well, Jennifer, let's, let's take this moment for listeners to maybe have some of those aha moments, some of those liberations. You said that the lawyers were feeling stressed and inadequate or inferior or, or troubled because they had internalized messaging that was, I guess, anti-introvert, if that's a fair characterization. And so, can you lay it on us in terms of like, what are some of those epiphanies, those, those revelations that folks tend to have is like, oh, that's not a problem or a bad thing, but just the way I prefer to run my brain and totally okay. And in fact, often advantageous. Can you share that with us? Yeah. Well, it's not always immediate that you turn around that negative thinking because it's been years that it's been ingrained in you, whether consciously or or not consciously by others. Again, I, and I don't think parents or teachers ever meant to give us those messages. It's also the systems that we're in, right? To 
to not in, encourage that. But I will say, I do have an image in my head of you do speaking as well, Pete, but when I will do this, I'll do a talk about introvert strengths and, or, you know, that's a piece of the talk where we'll talk about strengths, we'll talk about challenges. And when I ask the audience to just say it for me, I'll get them started. I'll say, well, what's an introvert strength that you think? And people will one by one, you know, kind of warm up. They're great observers or they're a great deep thinker, you know, whatever th things we talked about. You will literally, when you're in a live audience, I will literally see people sit up in their chairs, even like higher. I mean, I don't think I'm just visualizing that. And the comments that I get after talks and after training sessions and what people write in the chats is that they feel grateful to know this. It's like, aha. It's like the first time you might, I don't know if you felt this way. When the first time I took a Myers-Briggs, I was like, oh, I was kind of relieved that I was an extrovert because I, I didn't really understand why my husband and I were having these issues. We were early, you know, young marrieds coming home from parties and he would just go into his cave, you know, and I was like, what did I do wrong? It was immaturity too, but, <laughs> but it was also like, I needed to process the evening and he needed to get away. And just knowing that, learning that was huge. It was tremendous. And so I think once you see teams do this, when, you know, I work with um, organizations, when teams start to talk about these differences, it makes such a, it makes such a difference in how they operate. Well, there's a lot of great stuff here. So let's hear it. So if someone is an introvert, prefers extroversion, leans introvert, <laughs> however you want to articulate it. If they identify as an introvert. As identify a, as yeah. an introvert. <laughs> okay. What are some of the top suggestions you have that can help make them all the more awesome at their jobs? Right. And I like what you said, help make them more awesome, not change into an extrovert. Yeah. That is the key, right? When you stop trying to be an extrovert, that's probably the big idea here. And I found that when I researched leadership, when I researched influence, that that's when introverts are most successful. So what do they do? The four Ps is what I usually go back to when that question is asked. And that came from the questions I asked of introverted leaders. I said, so how did you become successful? And they def we define success in different ways, you know, in different industries but they were seen as successful. And I interviewed all kinds of people. And I would, they said, first of all, the first P is prepare. So back to their strength. Introverts prepare. They prepare questions. I'm the kind of examples I gave earlier. And that's been a great lesson for me because I, I prepare a lot. And I see that you do because you prepare your guests. I've never gotten a slide deck before. I've been on a hundred podcasts. I've never gotten a slide deck. Well, thank you for reading it. <laughs> so you learn that, right? You learn how effective preparation can be. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's one thing they do. And that's within all leadership scenario, whether it be networking and they're scared to go to a, a live networking reception. And they're like, how am I going to get ready for this? And I remember interviewing this one guy at Martin and he said, I found out at our local, I had to like do business development. I was really scared to do it, but I researched who was going to be there. Mm -hmm. And he found out that one of the guys was in this nonprofit that he was interested in. So he did the research that got him the deal. It was so many examples like that where he took the time. He didn't just like, oh, I'm a great schmoozer. I'm going to go come. Mm -hmm. Preparation. Second thing is presence. So what impressed me so much in my own working life was coming across introverted leaders. And I kind of sense when they were introverted, they were with me when they were with me. Mm -hmm. They were listening. They had their feet on the ground. They were tuned in. If they were doing a meeting, okay, they weren't worrying about, well, I didn't prepare enough or, I, you know, or what's going to happen in the outcome. They were truly tuned in. 
to what was happening. And if things changed, they were able to flex because they weren't thinking about the past or the future. Presence is a huge strength. Third area was uh, pushing. So what I meant by that, it was stepping out of your comfort zone. And that's what they told me. Again, the leader said, you know, I push my stretch myself. And, you know, we know this with people who are high performers, that they're constantly setting the bar higher. Not so much that they're going to pull a muscle, but that they're going to feel it a little bit the next day, you know, that they push Mm -hmm. themselves. And then the fourth area is practice. And that's like all the virtuosos do. And I always use the examples of comedians, people like Jerry Seinfeld, who you wouldn't think has to go out on the road, but he he does it because he talks about his a comedic muscle, like a fiber optic cable that will shrivel up if it's not if mm-hmm. it's not used. And so all the virtuosos practice all the time. So they look for opportunities to practice. And what happens is interesting because when I do these programs for senior leaders, we do a lot now on virtual of fireside chats. So I'll I'll do sort of a presentation and then I'll have the well I'll ask for somebody at the C level or at that area who's who's coming out as an introverted leader and by the way we used to have a lot of trouble getting those people to admit it or to understand it. And they would they come and we do a really vibrant conversation about that and they talk about how they push themselves and how they stretch and so, for a number of them <laughs> I've had some recently have been so nervous to do that to do the fireside chat on Zoom that they've actually written out everything and practice. We've done a session with it. It's very interesting. And then, so then they practice and are, are, are good at doing what they do. But many of them are told by their teams and by others that they're not introverts. Well, saying there's no way you're an introvert. So they have to educate people. Right. Well, so these four Ps, that, that's an interesting maybe blend that we've got here because some of these things it it sounds like come very naturally to introverts and this is so it's sort of like hey lean into those strengths you're going to wow them if you do this thing that uh, introverts tend to often be good at anyway and others are more of yeah and also try to do some some things that that might be a little uncomfortable yeah because we still live in a very extroverted world don't we where people are, you know, you are required to be in front of people. I mean, it's just the way it is. People judge you if you don't speak. Mm -hmm. That's true. In meetings, let's say you're with your peers and you're not speaking up, you got to learn some tricks to do that. And whether it's preparation or, you know, part of that preparation might be to have somebody tee the ball to you when you want to make a comment. But I will say, P2, that model, it's been around since my first book, People really resonate with that. And I think it's not just introverts. I think extroverts need to use it too. Because what I like to see is have people like us go to the other side. Mm-hmm. In other words, they say to me all the time, What can I do to bring out the introverts on in my team? You know, how can I bring out their talent? It's like, why don't you try listening and be quiet? Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, be quiet for a few minutes. And, and sure. nature abhors a vacuum. You asked about a quote earlier. I think it was mm-hmm. Thoreau that said that nature abhors a vacuum. Some, but something will fill that space. Yeah. Well, I like that. It, you mentioned tricks. So yeah, let's share it with it. Tips and tricks, huh? So preparation, I guess, is a trick insofar as, oh, I, I feel more comfortable being in this environment now that I know some things. Although I, I think that that's probably universal. I think I've, there's a Daniel the Tiger jingle about this. Yeah. Year. What is it? You're immersed in that now with your littles. Yeah. I think is when we do something new, let's talk about what we'll do. 
is the jingle. So that's for toddlers who feel uncomfortable, like, oh, I'm going to a scary new place. It's like, well, hey, one means of, of conquering that is by, hey, we're, hey, here's what's going to happen. We're going to go to the doctor. Okay. There's going to be a sliding door. Okay. You're going to take off your shoes and get on the, you know, whatever. And say, oh, okay, this is what we talked about. All right. This is, this is what's happening right now. Well, anyway. No, no. I, there's a lot of analogies. Anna. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. So tricks, tips and tricks. Let's hear some of your faves. Well, my head is parked more now in what can the organization do? What can we do as leaders and as a system? And I know I can tell you tricks for introverts, but I think we've been putting a lot of pressure on introverts, just as you're sort of alluding to. It's like, well, they need to step out of their comfort zone. They need to do this, blah, blah, blah. But what about if we were to frame this as, you know what? Why do they have to keep changing? Why can't we look at the structures of our organization? And that's what I looked at in the last book, Creating Introvert-Friendly Workplaces. I tried to find pockets of introvert inclusion. How can we have meetings that are inclusive, not just for introverts, for everyone? So examples, okay, like on um, Zoom call, Zoom is on everybody's mind or virtual, right? Do we always have to have our cameras on? It's exhausting, you know, for being intentional about how we have our, how we structure our meetings. One thing I'm looking at now, I'm preparing a program for SHRM on hiring and uh, talent development and uh, taking a look at as we're in our hiring practices, are we being thoughtful about the kinds of competencies we're looking for in people? Are we, or are we like putting our list of, you know, our requirements and then the person comes into interview and they're not necessarily the kind of person, you know, the feedback comes back. Well, they're not really the kind I want to have a beer with. You know, I don't Mm -hmm. think I can have a beer with this person. Um, Mm -hmm. And is that really essential to getting the job done? You know, Mm -hmm. and I heard many conversations with my clients and my what I call introvert advocates in organizations where they'd be sitting around promotional meetings, you know, and somebody's name comes up and they say, well, they don't really speak a lot up at a lot at meetings. And the person who's their advocate said they're brilliant and they'll talk to you one on one and they're really great with that and brilliant. So we can't pass over them. Don't forget about this person. So yeah, those are some of the things we can do. And actually structured advocacy is a term I just came up with now as we're talking. All right. Innovation right now on the spot. Where we have allies, people that are actually saying, speaking up for people. But part of that advocacy has been the emergence too of what we call employee resource groups, which it really comes under kind of the diversity and inclusion and equity agenda, where now it's not just an add-on to say, oh, we need to recognize introverts, but now I'm getting asked to come in and speak under that, under the auspices of diversity and inclusion, mm-hmm. because it's important to consider introverts. And it's another aspect of that, yeah. that we need to educate people, make them aware. So some of those examples I gave about hiring and about meetings, it doesn't take a lot to change those. I mean, those can be steps people can take and, and they can become aware. Mm-hmm. There's in the book, I lay out like five steps, I believe called anyone can be a change agent, you know, that you could be a voice for the quiet. You could speak up when you see that we're, we're raising, you know, raising the issues when you're seeing that we're maybe going too quickly. I was in a retreat last year where everything was happening really fast and that people were supposed to answer questions. It was sort of an exercise we were doing. And some lady raised, one of the participants raised her and she goes, you know what? I'm an introvert and I've, I'm already lost and overwhelmed. 
And I see that my colleagues here are the same way. But, you know, it took courage for her to say that. Yeah. So being a person that speaks up for the quiet, intentionally addressing the needs, as I talked about, encouraging teams to bring up introversion. And one of the, the other tips I'll share is that senior leadership, like in anything else, you know, it, it, Edgar Schein talked about senior leadership really leading the way. Yeah. You know, it's what they say and they do that changes the culture. It's what they say and do that changes the culture. So that's why I'm so gratified about all of these fireside chats I've been doing, because what people write in the chat is like, oh, I didn't know that Jane was an introvert. It's incredible. And they become these individuals, leaders become very vulnerable. Yeah. So it's it's cool. You know, and that's when people see that in an organization that says more than just like, oh, we need to embrace everybody. Right. Because they're they're actually modeling that it's okay and it's celebrated to be introverted. Yeah. I really love that part of it. That to me, that's another evolution that we've come to now. We couldn't have done it, you know, years ago. Couldn't have included. People wouldn't have been willing to get up there and talk about it. That's cool. Thank you. Well, Jennifer, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we shift gears and hear about some of your favorite things. I think we've pretty much covered it all. One book that I think you might not have mentioned that I try to just bring attention to some because people ask about it is about how introverts and extroverts can get along. And it's called the genius of opposites. Uh So it's the whole idea that we are exponentially better when we're together. We really create something that's, that's better. Like circling back to our earlier way early conversation, John and Paul, right? Yeah. Exponential. (laughs) Well, well, so now I can't just uh, let that, let that alone. Can can you give us uh, maybe a top one, two or three things that extroverts and introverts can do well to harness the synergies uh, between them? Yes. Number one, accept the alien. Know that you're not going to change the person. When you remember that, you will be in for a lot less stress. Okay. Bring on the battles. In other words, don't be afraid to have conflict because that's where you get the breakthroughs. And uh, let's see, you can see I'm going in ABC order. Mm-hmm. C is cast the character, but the person in the right role and not try to take credit, you know, undo credit that you're in this together. And I'll throw one. But can I throw a fourth in? Oh, sure. Destroy the dislike. All right. So you don't have to be best friends, but you can try to get along and respect each other. So, Mm. yeah, there's some really great examples of pairs in there that people might enjoy reading. Genius of Opposites. So thanks. Oh, thank you. All right. Well, now you gave us one. Is is that the favorite quote you want to share with us? Or do you have another favorite quote to put forward? This is from Malcolm X, of all people. It said, in all our deeds, the proper value and respect for time determines success or failure. Okay. I'm trying to get managed with my time this week. So that was inspirational to me. All right. Inspired. Yeah. Inspired. Right. Inspired, Pete. (laughs) And a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? I think my last study on remote work is my favorite. We had 200 introverts, 85% of them said they prefer staying home at least part of the time remotely and how it uh, really speaks to their productivity and their satisfaction. And so I hope companies will take a look at that that study mm-hmm. because it, it really does come out strong. I don't think there've been any studies just done on introverts. So I've got that available on my website. So it's free download. So thanks for asking. And a favorite book? My favorite book. I just finished a book by one of my favorite women, Summer Beach Reads authors, Jennifer Weiner, not just because her name's Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And it's something with summer in the title. So she's a, she, it's very relaxing to read her, Jennifer Weiner. And a favorite tool, something you used to be awesome at your job. 
A favorite tool for me now is as an app, I would say, would be, and I probably check it 20 times a day, Dashline. <laughs> it sounds very mundane, but it keeps all my passwords. And a uh, favorite habit? To get up early and sit on my deck and do 30 minutes of, or wherever I am, 30 minutes of uh, free writing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, just sort of starting with a prompt and writing. And I've, I've produced a lot of writing through the pandemic that way. So I'm going to keep doing it. All right. And a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks. They quote it back to you frequently. You know, Pete, I say a lot. So <laughs> I think you'd have to ask my husband. Oh, I'll, I'll tell you a quote that he says, because he's very funny and we live together. So oftentimes if I'm going on as an extrovert does, he will hold up the book and say, read the book. <laughs> That's his quote. <laughs> That's his quote. No, I think I think that's fine. I think that's probably the one I'll leave with. Okay. <laughs> For now. And if folks want yeah. to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? I would love people to come to my website and I'm probably most active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So they can just look up my name on there. And jenniferconweiler.com. So you'll probably have that in the show notes, Pete, I imagine, huh? That's right. Yeah. Okay, great. And do you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? Yeah, I think... The challenge I would have is to schedule some time with somebody that is on your team that perhaps you don't know as well, or you feel maybe a different, just a different personality type than you. And, you know, schedule a 20 minute, half hour call just to get to know them a little bit and learn more about what they do. I think the challenge right now with so many of us being remote is that we are getting disconnected. And that was, that did come out strongly in the study I just referenced. We had 45% of uh, our attendees say that they felt disconnected. So I think that's pretty significant. So I'd I'd like to encourage all of us to get that weekly on our calendar to reach out to somebody we don't know as well in our worlds, in our teams or outside our teams. All right, Jennifer, thank you. This has been a treat and I wish you all the best. I love interviews that challenge me and you definitely are at the top of that list, Pete. Thank you so much. (laughs) Appreciate it. I really loved her take on destroying the dislike. One, it's alliterative, that's cool. Two, it's the ABCDs, you got an extra one. And three, just that notion of putting the animus, making the enemy, not the person, but rather your dislike, really I find pretty motivating and powerful in terms of, yeah, let's see, what is I dislike and how can I get rid of that? And how can I better understand and reframe what's up here so we can better collaborate? So cool stuff from Jennifer. Again, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP689. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.